You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. So many contemporary parallels to draw between the way that Luke's gospel characterizes the life and mission of Jesus and the justice needs that are, are, are present in our world today. Since his era, Jesus's era, oppression, domination, and subjugation, remember they've only evolved. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 403. Our title this week is Liberation for the Oppressed, and our reading is from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke 4, 14 through 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In Luke's version of the Jesus story, Jesus' ministry begins in and around Galilee. All of us today who feel passionately about the inclusion of those being marginalized or who are concerned with how communities and larger societies experience change, I think can learn from uh, this story detail this week. Galilee was a marginalized region in a marginalized territory. The the Jewish people first were, were marginalized a marginalized community within the the Roman Empire. With the temple state, though, being centered in Judea and in Jerusalem and seated in the temple there, Galilee's more Hellenized Jewish communities were then doubly marginalized. They were marginalized also um, among their own people. The canonical gospel authors all locate Jesus' primary ministry in that region. And this choice, it not only reveals a passion for those being marginalized in any system, but it also points us to how it points us to how change uh, happens. Change happens from the grassroots or, or bottom up or from the margins or, or edges of our society inward. Change doesn't usually come from the elite, the powerful or, or the privileged who benefit from how society is is structured right now. Their experience is vastly different from those on the edges of society. Change usually comes from those for whom the present system simply is not working. And, And in this week's narrative, the author of Luke conflates two passages from the Hebrew Scriptures. One is from the more famous Isaiah 61. The other is from Isaiah 58. I'll read both. Isaiah 61 reads, The Spirit of the Most High God God is upon me because the Most High has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, uh, the release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Most High's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. 
horn. And Isaiah 58, 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Of all the passages in the Hebrew Scriptures that the author of Luke could have chosen to summarize or characterize Jesus' life and mission, these two passages are saturated with the theme of liberation for the oppressed. And notice the differences between the story here in Luke and Mark's earlier version. What does Luke add? What is Luke adding to, to Mark's telling? Let's, let's look at Mark's version first. It says, he, Jesus, left the place and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath day, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him there were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James and, and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And, and are these not, and are not his sisters still with us? Uh, and they took a in him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown, among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could not do any deeds, he could do no deed of power there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. He was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. So Luke adds to Mark's version details of the themes of Jesus' life and work. Uh, the reign of God, as defined by the Jewish, uh, this Jewish prophet of the poor, uh, would be just that. It would be good news for the poor. It would announce liberation for the captives, the imprisoned, including slaves. It, it would proclaim a uh, sight to, to prisoners with prison blindness. And prison blindness, remember, was what was referred to at that time as being in a Roman gel cell or basically a hole in the ground that was so dark one couldn't see uh, what was around them. It would announce liberation for the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Most High's favor. And that, remember, that's the language that was used to announce a year of jubilee when slaves were liberated and all debts were wiped out. These verses in this addition of, of Mark, this characterization of Jesus' ministry as being one of liberation that was added to, to Mark's telling of the story, this clarification, these verses, they make me reflect on things in our contemporary society. Like, uh, we talk about release of the prisoners. I think of the prison industrial complex that we have in the U.S. Jesus proclaimed release for the slaves. I think of how white Christians claim to, to worship Jesus all through the years that slavery, uh, 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 even to this day, has remained a brutal cornerstone of the U.S. economy. And also, I think of, of discussions about wiping out the, the heavy burden of student debt and, and how lots of my Christian friends are opposed to that, and yet their Jesus would have announced that, seen that as a jubilee-like uh, good thing. Globally, national debt, too, ha has a, a new form of colonization, and, and, and the, the control and domination that came with that. There are so many contemporary parallels to draw between the way that Luke's gospel characterizes the life and mission of Jesus and the justice needs that are, are, are present in our world today. Since his era, Jesus's era, oppression, domination, and subjugation 
remember, they've only evolved. What does it mean for Jesus followers to live lives that are characterized by liberation for the oppressed, equity for the disenfranchised, inclusion of the marginalized, and and diverse egalitarianism rather than uh, by disparities of property and disparities in power and, and privilege? There are so many of us today who benefit from the violence of our present system. Are we allowing passages like this one in Luke to confront us? Luke's story continues with an account that that foreshadows the the early Jesus movement's expansion in the book of Acts. The, The movement went through growing pains as it began to include those who had historically been excluded, like Gentiles and eunuchs and women and and others. And, And their experience here, I think, can teach us too. In our time, who is the Spirit, uh, like it says in Acts 11 and Acts 15, who is the Spirit today making no distinction between us and them, but yet Christians still are? They're, 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 and there's one more thing this week to note this week. The author of Luke uses an edited version uh, of Isaiah 61, and, and what it edits, what it omits is the phrase, the day of vengeance of our God. And I want to ponder why that is for a moment. There's a kind of liberation that dehumanizes oppressors while seeking to to set the oppressed free. It it doesn't replace a tiered society with a shared table. It replaces the current system with a different tiered society. Those once subjugated are now at the top, and, and those who were once the oppressors, they become the new oppressed. Communities under this kind of liberation, they're just simply flipped. They aren't transformed. They're just rearranged. God's favor for some is simultaneously in this model, the day of vengeance for others. Luke doesn't promote that dualistic approach to liberation. Jesus' followers, they rightly perceived that Jesus was about a different kind of liberation. At Jesus' shared table, the the powerful would be pulled down from their thrones. The oppressed would be lifted up and, and liberated, but liberation and equality for some, it would include an invitation to oppressors to experience radical personal change as the system itself changed. Jesus' liberation was a year of the Most High's favor for, for all, and that favor looked different for people in different social locations and in the different areas of, of their lives. Remember, very rarely can people be defined in these neat categories. We're all oppressed and oppressors simultaneously, depending on which part of our identities and positions in the system that we're contemplating at the moment. Our identities are complex, and and so are our privileges and patterns of disenfranchisement. They are intersectional and complex as well. What this means for me is that I need to embrace the kind of world that would be safe, compassionate, and a just home for everyone, and I need to rejoice in the changes that will transform me so that I want that kind of world. I hope that we can choose a different world and work for it here and now. And remember, change comes from the Galilean regions of our lives. We can each choose to be confronted or challenged 
and changed in those areas where we might otherwise oppose a more justly shared world. And in those areas where we have a, a deep need for that world, we can embrace that kind of world as well. My choice for 2022 is as a Jesus follower to continue growing, continue changing myself, and and to continue being committed to a work, uh, working for social change, not just for me personally, but systemically within our society as well. How are you choosing in 2022? Heart Group application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. What personal changes are you leaning into this new year? and discuss that with your group. And then lastly, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, working towards justice. Remember in this time of COVID, uh, wear your mask. Uh, get, get If you can, get vaccinated. If you're already vaccinated, get your boost. And remember, I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.